before I actually start talking to you about crystals and colour and sound, I just thought it would be really a good idea to explain to you very quickly how I became involved in these things because I think a lot of us don't realise that our whole life path is almost pushing us to where we're meant to be and it's only when we look back with hindsight that we realise how we've got where we are. Do you see what I mean? And I'm sure some of you can already see that having happened in your lives. But for those of you who haven't, or if you're at the point where you're not sure where you're going next, basically, I wanted, and the universe is good at teaching us what want is, and we continue to want for the rest of our life, I wanted to be a fashion designer. It was always my desire, and it was something that I was good at, making clothes and, and all sorts of stuff. But I, all sorts of things happened in my life and I didn't do it. And as a mature student in my sort of mid-twenties, which isn't a mature student nowadays, but was back then, I was the oldest person in the course, I did textiles and I was obsessed with fabrics. And what happened is I've ended up going down this very diverse route of working in industry, doing all sorts of things with knit and weave and garment construction and never really feeling like I'd found what I wanted but always having this thing about colour and silk and always wanting to wear silk you know I mean great if you've got mega money but not that easy to wear silk every day of your life and not very practical in this country either and the colour was part of my art and design training and I ended up teaching people colour theory and how colour affects you and the psychology of colour and then all of a sudden I suddenly realised that it went with the healing so there I am walking along one path teaching everybody about colour but from a psychology and an art and design point of view and walking along another path doing healing and spiritual things so I've sort of got a foot on each path and then, because of something I had to teach, I was looking at crystals with students and how they were wonderful design inspiration. And then it occurred to me that I've got all these crystals sat on the side at home. So again, I've got one foot in each path, yeah? And over the last couple of, well, the last probably six years or so, I happened to go to India on holiday and became obsessed with buying a Tibetan bowl and now, so the child that was thrown out of the recorder class because she couldn't read music and couldn't make the first three notes of the recorder sound okay, I now do sound healing. So, just because you're not good at something in one way or you're using something in one way doesn't mean that it doesn't relate to your spiritual work. And I just think that that's that's worth saying to you because if anybody had said to me I was banned from auditioning from the school choir I really was thrown out of the recorder class at junior school and it wasn't because I was being naughty it was because I was so bad at it and I was so bad that seven years later when my brother arrived in that class the teacher said my god you're as bad as your sister <laughs> and threw him out as well so this is the person who thought that, you know, if I sing, my other half tells me to be quiet because it's really painful. But I actually now work with sound. So it's strange how life turns things around for you. 
And I just thought it was worth saying that to you because if you're not sure where you're going or what, what it is you're meant to be doing, sometimes you're getting clues and sometimes you're being almost pushed away from what you're meant to be doing. Why am I so bad at sound when I have quite success rate with sound healing? Why can't I make any sort of noise with an instrument? Why is it that however hard I try, I can't read music? But, give me a Tibetan bowl and something happens. So don't ever write yourself off. Don't ever put a block in the way saying, well, I'm no good at, because you never know what you're good at. And that's what I want to try and get across to people when I do talks and things, is that all of us are good at something. All of us can do some spiritual things. We all have some spiritual gifts. There is nothing special about me. I'm just like all of you. The difference is that for some people, they maybe haven't spent quite as long looking for what they've got to do. So if you keep searching, you will find what's your thing in life, what it is that's good for you. And so the more things I can explain to people and talk to people about, then the more likely it is that one of you, even if it's just one of you tonight, goes away thinking, yes, I could have a go at that. I wonder if it'd work for me. Do you see what I mean? So I don't want you to sit there thinking, oh, she knows loads. I don't. I, I don't know anything compared to what there is to know. It's just that I've come to the conclusion that I can make a fool of myself and that's okay. So I'll stand up here and I'll do my best and that's good enough because that's all any of us can ever do. But you all know just as much as I do if not more. It's just that maybe you haven't had the confidence yet to share it. Right? And that's why I don't want you to sit there wishing you could ask a question or thinking what she's saying is a load of rubbish. Challenge me. That's fine. I don't have all the answers. No! No! Please, no! <laughs> So, so the idea of this is that I want to try and explain to you how, for me, energy works. And I'm not like a lot of people who are healers. I do spiritual healing, if you like. I actually am a member of the World Federation of Healing. I also do Reiki and Seikem. And I also do colour, crystals, sound. I'm very interested in how people's emotional state affects their physical body and I tend to work very much with people's emotions more than their physical ailments. Alright? So I maybe don't work in the same way as some of you but maybe I do. And so what I want to do is I'm aware over the last few years that everybody seems to have come to accept aromatherapy and reflexology and Indian head massage because they're tangible. Somebody's doing this for my feet and it's really relaxing and so I'll have a reflexology. But when you say to some people I work with crystals and colour and sound and energy and emotions 
it's like, <laughs> who is this wacky woman? Um, I've had people tell me that crystals are witchcraft and stuff. No, I'm not a witch. Not white or black, I'm not a witch. And so I thought, let's try and explain to people how they work and why they work. Alright? So that's what the aim is tonight. So if at some point I'm not making it clear, just shout at me, wave at me, do something and we'll try and sort it out. Okay? Okay, so... Where do we start? I'll ask you all a question first. How many of you own some crystals? <laughs> How did I get? <laughs> How many of you have ever had a crystal healing? Right. How many of you have ever had a colour healing or colour therapy? Right. <laughs> right. So I may work totally differently to you, but that's that's fine because we all work differently but yeah chip in please do all right okay and how many people have had a sound healing anybody right okay so all of them have one thing in common they all work with vibration and as we know now science has proved that we are lots of vibrating molecules with more space than solid and my understanding is that as things happen to us in life whether they be physical, emotional, mental maybe but that's a, we won't go down that route most of us have things happening to us physically or emotionally during our lives those things the way I understand it, affect the energy that is us. Okay? And sometimes we can rebalance that energy ourselves. Okay? And we've all done that to some extent. But sometimes we need some help. Now healers put their hands on and they channel an energy which will balance some of us if we're compatible with that healer and the energy that they work with. I don't believe that every healer is compatible with every person who wants healing. I don't think that they do you any harm, but I do believe that some healers are more compatible with a person than others and have more success than other people might. It's not a reflection on the healer, and it's not a reflection on the person having healing, it's just a fact. Okay? You might disagree with that, and that's fine, because I'm not telling you this is how it is, I'm telling you this is how I believe it is. Alright? And I want you to remember that all evening and throw out anything that doesn't feel right for you. Now, in the same way that I believe that some healers are more compatible with you than others, I believe that some therapies have a greater resonance with you than others. So for some people, aromatherapy might work brilliantly, whereas for somebody else, they might feel that they don't benefit that much from it. Okay, and this is all to do with vibration and energy. All of these things work in your astral emotional, causal, mental bodies. 
okay, the etheric body as well. And depending on what you're working with and what's, if you like, wrong with you, and there shouldn't really be anything wrong with any of us, but what it is that's the problem or the issue or the thing you're trying to resolve will respond differently to different things. So why do crystals and colour and sound work even though they don't really touch you or manipulate you in some way like a lot of the other therapies do? Well, my belief is that they actually move through your body. So instead of working on the physical, they're actually working on your physical, etheric, emotional, mental bodies, everything, every level of you at any one time. So we all have different levels of vibration, different types of blockages or stagnant areas in that energy field, and the different things will work in different ways. So, if we look at crystals, most of you know that your quartz watch has a crystal in it. And how it, does it work? It doesn't conduct electricity, does it? Not like water conducts electricity. But if you put slight mechanical pressure onto quartz, it actually emits an electric, an electric current. So if you put a crystal in your energy field and it can emit currents or waves of energy, then it's going to have an effect on your energy, isn't it? Now some crystals, and crystals are very complicated, most people who become crystal healers have to learn about the structure of crystals and it's quite scientific and I don't want to go into it in great depth but you will know that crystals grow in different forms so those of you who've looked at some crystals will know that when they go to a point they have six sides and some only have four some crystals don't go to points they're more square in shape some are very rough and jagged I mean, most people have seen things like rose quartz in its natural state rather than tumbled, and it doesn't have a regular shape to it, does it? And the different crystals have different healing properties because they reflect light differently and they give off energy differently. Crystals come in lots of different forms, and they are uniaxial, biaxial, etc., which means they reflect light in one direction, two directions, three directions. So different crystals will behave in different ways. They also have different compositions and we find that different compositions actually have different effects on the body. So a piece of sulphur would have a totally different effect on your body to a piece of, I don't know, black obsidian or jade or whatever. So I don't particularly want to get into all the individual crystals, I want to talk about how they're working on you. So when we put crystals on each of the energy centres, they are giving off their own unique energy. And that energy resonates with your energy and has an effect. Now, one of the problems with crystals is that lots of people who are drawn to crystals are drawn to the very high vibration crystals. So the ones that a crystal healer would use 
at the brow and the crown chakra. You all know about chakras, don't you? Yeah? Okay. So because they're drawn to those high vibrational ones, they tend to become ungrounded. Okay? So if you're a person who's got a house full of clear and white and light crystals, and you're also a person who cannot organise yourself, who can't get places on time, who isn't very good at feeding themselves good square meal a couple of times a day, who maybe isn't very good at keeping a roof over your head, but you're good with your crystals, you've got the wrong ones. Okay? You need to have some grounding crystals because what's happening is that your body and your all right, your mind, whatever you want to call it, is attracting you to stuff which is keeping you out of body. Now there's usually a reason. Most people who have got this inability to ground themselves are out of body because it's actually quite unpleasant being in it. All right? Either they suffer a lot of pain, so maybe, you know, they've got, I don't know, a back problem or arthritis or something which gives them constant pain. So their way of dealing with the pain is to step out. Maybe they've got a lot of trauma from back in their life somewhere. And when you come into body, you feel that emotional pain. So it's easier again to step aside a bit. Can you see what I'm saying? Is there anybody who thinks this might apply to them? That might I don't want any details, but if there is, I can tell you afterwards the sort of stones that you need to carry to help you to ground yourself and be able to organise your life. I'll tell you a, a very quick... I, I was working with a lady who was totally ungrounded and she came for a crystal healing and I actually said I wasn't prepared to do it. And the reason was that I would make her more spaced out than she was already. So I did another form of healing and I suggested she went away and she used certain stones in her pockets and under her pillow and things. And she came back and she said to me, I actually can now be the mum that I always wanted to be because I can get things organised to do things with the children because she's got quite young children. But she said, I've got to tell you this, I never ever understood mother-in-law jokes. I always thought that I had a wonderful mother-in-law. But she said, since I've been grounded, I could dump her. <laughs> so why was she not grounded? Because of what was going on around her. It was easier to step out. So it might change your life if you get the right crystals. All right? So, so this is a very brief bit about crystals. And bearing in mind that that's about energy and vibration I want to do an equally brief bit about colour and sound and then I want to try and put them all together and get you to get lots of stuff happening alright because I want you to participate so sound we know has sound waves don't we I mean that's something we're actually taught we're not taught about crystals but we are about sound different Tibetan bowls bells, drums, will have different sound waves. Now those waves will pass through you and again will reorganise your energy field because the waves are rhythmic. They're going to put your body into a rhythmic 
state rather than a disjointed or out of rhythm atmosphere like it normally is when you're emotional, you know, anger, fear, hurt, all these things we've all suffered at some point in our lives. So sound works in the same way. Some people tell me that they feel sound healing is the most profound experience they've ever had. I don't know if the lady at the back who does sound would agree. Have you had people say that to you? I've had people say to me that out of all of the things they've ever had, all of the therapies they've ever had, sound has been the most profound experience. So if you ever get the chance, have a sound healing. They're really, really interesting. But you don't have to use Tibetan bowls. Some people use their voice. Okay? I don't because of what I told you at the beginning. <laughs> People want healing, not making poorly. <laughs> so, some people use their voice. And there is a theory that, and I'll do more about this because I'm actually doing a workshop in a few weeks and I'm going to do a bit more about this at the workshop. There is a theory that in modern society we are short of vowel sounds. If you sit silently and you listen, in your house or your car or wherever you are at work everything has a consonant sound so things mm and and they're all sounds which are like the consonants and the theory is that our bodies lack vowel sounds so there are people who base their sound healing and the vibration completely on using their voice to make vowel sounds and there is actually a sequence you can use for your body where you make certain vowel sounds and it doesn't matter what they sound like it doesn't matter if you don't sound like an opera singer or whatever that's not relevant you make the sound that is right for you at that time when you make it and the sound will be different from day to day that your voice makes have people found that if they om, that the om is different sounding on different days? Yeah? And it's to do with how well or unwell you are. And that doesn't necessarily mean in your physical body, it means in your energy field. So if you've the night before been out night clubbing and had rather a lot to drink, your om isn't going to be as clear and, and beautiful as it was the day before when you've done a couple of hours meditation. Okay, so you don't have to use Tibetan bowls. I use them because I told you I can't make the sounds nicely. So there are different ways of doing it. Some people use a drum like um, the Native Americans and shamanic healing. Some people use rattles to cleanse the aura. So there's lots of different forms of sound healing. And I know last year I sat in front of one of those enormous gongs that's a real experience. Have a go at that, everybody. <coughs> if ever anybody says you want a gong bar, say yes, sit down and see what happens. It's a real experience. It is, isn't it? It's amazing. So definitely go for it. Now the other one that we want to talk about, because those two are more obvious, the colour is perhaps less obvious for some people because how does this vibrate? Well, it seems to me that we don't get taught the stuff which is really important about colour. We're taught that red and yellow 
make orange and red and blue make violet but if you've ever watched a poor child trying to mix violet with red and blue it doesn't work does it and if you look at what happens when children try and mix paints they usually end up with something that you'd call mud because we, we're not taught about colour and for years I taught colour theory you know red and blue make purple according to colour theory but if you really want to make purple I'd have cyan and magenta which is turquoise and a really bright pink and then you'll get a good purple so I'm teaching the theory and then I'm teaching the practical but the two things are totally different right so you can see why art students get confused but colour also has a vibration and this is what we're not taught are you aware that people who are blind can actually feel the different colours you can put things of intense colour like this on a table and you can get somebody who's completely blind not visually impaired but completely blind to run their hands over things and with practice they can feel the vibration from the various colours and identify colour based on the vibration that comes off of it so that's our if you like our proof that it vibrates on a sort of physical level because we all want the facts don't we this I don't know if you can all see because I didn't actually do it for tonight but I suddenly picked it up at the last minute this is how colour fits into the vibratory electromagnetic spectrum so at the lowest vibration you've got long radio waves and then infrared well we all know about infrared although we can't actually see it most of the time and then in here we have the seven band spectrum red through to violet then we have ultraviolet then x-rays which again we can't see gamma rays cosmic rays and we're up to the highest vibration all right so in the middle of all of this is our seven band spectrum and they all vibrate and I was really surprised when I learnt this some time ago I thought oh that's exciting we've actually got some scientific evidence for something for once they can't say it doesn't because they proved it okay so it is in there now there's a lot of work being done with colour in the past I, anybody who's had any sort of art background will know that Johanna Fitton did lots of work with colour it was major part of the Bauhaus teaching in the early 30s and that was how I came into colour but as you begin to look at colour you realise that there's also lots of other stuff being done way back you know sort of hundreds of years ago people were measuring how much light was reflected back from certain colours so if you think about all the photographs you've seen red is always the colour of the guy on the mountain or the person walking isn't it they've always got a red anorak or a red cagoule it's because they're way in the distance but red is a colour which comes towards you so it makes it stand out whereas blue recedes or goes away from you so the mountains with their blue against the red of the climber or the walker or whatever are going to give you a really good picture now photographers are taught this 
you know, if you want something to come forward, you need a warm colour. So the warm colours are things like red and orange and some shades of yellow. So this is partly why I've got this huge pile here. This is quite a warm yellow, isn't it? It's like sunshine. Okay. Do you feel that this is warm? Right. So the other thing that we learn is that we can have a colour that we call by a name, but unless we specify what the colour is, everybody, when I say yellow, will think of something different. Look. They're all yellow, but you won't all have thought of the same one. I mean, there's probably different ones. Oh, look. Yeah? And this is the trouble. People say a colour, and they don't really think about exactly what they mean. So I was taught two types of colour therapy. One which uses things like this silks and you place the silks on the chakras and you correspond the silk with the chakras and you put them on for a few minutes and then in order not to overload the system you use the complementary colour. So for something like orange the complementary is blue you thought that complement meant go with it, but it doesn't. It means enhance it. The easy way to work out the complementary is that, do you all know that red, yellow and blue are the three main colours and all the others are meant to be mixed from it? So if you know that you've only got red, yellow and blue, this is a mixture of red and yellow. So the colour that's missing is blue, therefore that's its complementary. It's ever so easy. So if we took red, the colours that are missing are blue and yellow, so you'd mix those and green would be complementary to red. It's as simple as that. It's not something you have to remember. You just look for the, the two that are missing or the one that's missing, depending on whether you've got a primary or a secondary colour. Right? Primary is one, secondary is two that have been mixed. All right. Just beware, anybody who smokes or has any other addiction, don't wear too much orange. All right, because it will make it worse. Seriously, it will make it worse. When I started my course, one of the things we were doing was working with a different colour each week. And one week the tutor said, oh, you know, we'll work with some orange. And this girl came back the next week and she said, I normally smoke, but now I chain smoke. What's happened? And it's the orange. It makes addictions worse. If you're a chocoholic, whatever, be wary of orange, all right? You need blue. You need a nice blue to calm the addiction down, all right? <laughs> okay. So, so that's one form of colour therapy. But the... The other form of colour therapy that I was taught was actually mental colour therapy, where in your mind you project colours at the person you're working on. And that uses a totally different set of colours to these physical ones. So I guess the way to describe it is that all of these are physical colours, because they're actually here with us, and what's in my mind and I'm projecting at somebody is more like a spiritual colour and in mental colour therapy I would never use red. It just wouldn't happen. 
but I would use silver and gold and I would use daffodil yellow or marigold orange so I would be very precise about the colour that I'm trying to project onto that person. So it's very, very different. The two things don't sit together very well at all. And I'm still trying to work out which one, if either, I want to, to use on its own. But I seem to keep coming back to intermixing the two. Now other people, and I, I don't know what you do, but other people actually use coloured light to project at somebody. Now, with the scarves or the silk and with the light, in an ideal world, the person, person you're working on would be dressed completely in white. Because otherwise, if I'm wearing what I'm wearing and you put yellow on me or green on me, we have the effect that the child with the paint pot has, don't we? It becomes a muddy mixture of colours. So in an ideal world, with physical colour, or light, or, or silk, or whatever, you really could do with being dressed absolutely in white. Now, I expect a lot of the, the females here can't put together a completely white wardrobe, but I doubt if very many of the men can do that. So it's really quite difficult to get somebody, when you're working with physical colour, to be dressed appropriately, unless you supply them with a white robe or something, and get them to take everything off. But you know, I'm not convinced that's, that's that practical. Some people find all of this stuff wacky enough without being asked to take their clothes off and put a white robe on as well. So, you know, I'm still working on that one. Whereas with the mental colour therapy, I find that I can work through everything because it's literally just energy passing through. Now, I know this is the same, but that's the theory, is that with the, the physical stuff, you should ideally be wearing white. So now we've got three lots of energy. I just want to explain a few more bits about colour. We know they have an effect on us. We know that places like McDonald's and Burger King paint the restaurant red because that way you eat your food and get out as quick as you can. We know that when shopping centres discovered that they didn't like all the youths hanging around, that when they went for pale pink and turquoise, all the youths and gangs left the, the shopping centres. We know that prisoners are better behaved in pale green and pale blue rooms than they are in red rooms. We know that little children react greatly to really bright primary colours, but they really don't care that much about really pale wishy-washy, these sorts of colours. That's much less interesting to a child than something like this or bright red, isn't it? So we have a psychological effect with colour. It affects how we feel. It's a proven scientific fact that you actually change your body temperature by a degree or two if you sit in a blue room and a red room. The red room you get hotter, the blue room you get cooler. So if you live in a cold house and you paint the walls blue, you'll notice it. And they have actually measured a change in body temperature as you put people into red and blue rooms. We also know that 
certain things happen within the eye based on colour. For example, um, surgeons' robes are green for a reason. They used to be white, but when you look at all that blood on an operating table, your cones in your eye that pick up the colour red get overworked and when you look away from the operating table to put your hand out to get a new scalpel or a needle and cotton, you actually see green blobs. So you're less efficient. Consequently, it was decided that the complementary of red, if we go back to what we said earlier, the complementary of red is green, therefore surgeons wear green robes because every time they look up, you know, they're working, but there's green around the red, the eye is being equally used, all the cones in the back of the eye, not just the ones that pick up that one red colour. Alright, so there's all sorts of strange things about colour which we already know about. We're just taking it a stage further by taking it into the healing. Now, how many of you as kids used a torch under the bedclothes to read your book when you were supposed to be a... Do you remember the funny colour it made your hand? If you shone the torch through your hand, it went red. I always thought that was the blood in my hand showing through when I was a kid, but it's not. Red is the longest or the, the slowest vibration colour back to this spectrum and your hand is absorbing all of the colours except for the red. So when you shine the light through your hand, all the other colours are absorbed into the, the hand, but the red passes right through. So if we know that light is absorbed in that way, you can see why sunlight is important. You can see why daylight is important, why we suffer in the winter. But you can also see that these other colours must get absorbed in some way. The other really wacky thing about colour, and it really is strange, is that in actual fact, without light, colour doesn't exist. So at night, when there is no sunlight, there is no colour. Everything is shades of grey. I'm not talking about sodium street lighting, I'm talking about out in the dark. Everything is grey. So when the sunlight shines, what gives the colour? The problem is that everything except the orange has been absorbed by this bit of fabric. The orange is the one bit of light that is being reflected back at you. All the other colours have been absorbed into this particular piece of fabric. And the same is true with this, that it's only this turquoisey bluey colour that hasn't been absorbed. So it hasn't absorbed all of the blue, it's absorbed a little bit of green and, and pulled it, put the two together and so you're getting back the bit that it's reflecting. So all the other colours have been absorbed. So, and I'm throwing this open to, to just make you think here, because I'm not sure, if all the other colours have been absorbed, and I put this orange piece of fabric on you, or a blue piece, if all the other colours have been absorbed, 
does that mean that orange is not the colour your body needed? Because orange, orange is being reflected back, but all the other colours are passing through. So what your body needed, maybe, was everything except orange. Do you see what I mean? But that's not how we think about it. We think, oh, I must need orange, I'll put orange on. Or I'm wearing blue today, I must need blue. But if it's reflecting back that colour, then where I've got to in my head is that we must be needing everything except blue because that's what we're not getting. Now that throws everything around when we start looking at the colours for the chakras, doesn't it? Because if we're putting red on the base chakra, then obviously the base chakra needs everything except red. Hmm. <laughs> Different, isn't it? And there's no answer. And I've looked at colour therapy books and I've asked people questions and nobody can answer this question for me. But does that make sense of why when you do mental colour therapy you're using different colours to the ones that you would with the actual physical stuff so I don't know is the answer I can only guess so if we combined all of these things the colour, the sound and the crystals we could have a really amazing effect on our energy couldn't we quite likely but what I find is that when I work with people sometimes I use sound to almost clear or cleanse the stuff in the outer layers of the aura and then I might use colour with perhaps some of the lower chakras but I might use crystals with some of the higher chakras or I might use a crystal grid where I put the crystals down in a formation because ancient geometry is quite important within crystals so I might use some sort of geometric grid with quartz points which would help because they create an energy field that helps the person to raise their whole vibration not just in one chakra but their whole bodily vibration and in doing so that helps them to access information from their higher self because I'm not really doing anything I'm just facilitating them accessing the knowledge that they already have. That's what all of us do as healers, is we help that person to heal themselves. You know, we can't promise anything. That person may not be ready to heal themselves. They might still have lessons to learn from what's going on. They might have agreed this time around that they actually are going to be ill all of their life to teach people around them lessons. They might be a highly evolved soul who doesn't have any more lessons to learn. But they've actually given up a lifetime to help other people around them in their group to learn. So as healers, we can never decide who will or won't get better. All we can do is help people to access the knowledge that helps them to understand. Now one of the things I find with working with crystals and colour and sound is that people often access stuff which afterwards they say was so obvious but they've never realised it. And without divulging anybody's personal stuff because as a healer we're all sworn to confidentiality 
I'll give you an example. I have a friend who was given away, if you like, at three months to another member of the family to be brought up. And they've never really understood why. And suddenly, a few weeks ago, they were doing some healing and having healing and things were happening and they suddenly went within and realised that their mother had kept, they'd always known the mother had kept the daughter but given away the son, okay, but they didn't know why. And they went within themselves after having quite a mega healing experience and discovered that the mother had actually felt betrayed because her father had actually had affairs. And what she decided somewhere in her life as a sort of young woman was that all men would be like that. So she didn't actually want a son. Okay? So she gave him away. But when she saw the son as an adult male, she actually would suggest that affairs were a good idea. You know, and all sorts of stuff. And what she was trying to do was to actually make this male live up to her expectation of what men would be. He can now heal himself because he now understands. He'd always said he forgave her. But how do you forgive somebody when you don't understand why they did it? You forgive them on one level, but there's always that little bit there wanting to know why. And while you still want to know why, you can't completely forgive and move on. So what I find the crystals and the colour and the sound do is they seem to allow people to access the knowledge that helps them to then move forward in their own life. But they access it. I don't have to know what it is. They don't have to tell me what happens. I don't need to know. It's very personal. And I do a lot of work with people who have stuff that you wouldn't want to talk about from their childhood or from marriages or whatever. Not stuff that you'd sit and talk about, you know, as a passing comment. Really quite serious stuff. And I find that what the crystals and things do is because of this change in vibration, the way they affect people's energy field, it seems to allow them to access stuff which they've buried so deeply that they can't deal with. And they want to deal with it, they're ready to deal with it, but they're not able to because they can't get deep enough to find it. If something is so painful, you push it so deep that you have a job to reaccess it, don't you? I mean, I'm sure that the women here who've had babies will tell you that after you've had a baby, you forget the level of pain until people, and I only, I stopped at one, um, <laughs> but they tell me that when the second baby's just about due to be born, they suddenly remember how painful it was. But that pain is suppressed, it's so pushed down that they can't actually 
access it in between. They say, oh, it wasn't as bad as people make out. It was all right. It's only at the minute that they know they're going to go through it again that they actually can reaccess it. Now, if you think about that with something which is a physical pain that you know is going to last a number of hours and be gone, what's it like with true emotional pain that you've buried for, you know, perhaps decades? To access that is quite scary. And that's one of the things that I find, that when people are truly on their... And I think that's why the crystals and the, and the colour aren't attractive to people who aren't on a spiritual path. But when people are on a spiritual path and they seem to reach what they call a, a plateau or a sort of flattening out where they can't seem to progress anymore and they know they've got work to do on themselves, that's when I find that these vibrational medicines work very, very successfully. Now, I don't know if I've scared everybody there by thinking, oh, no, I won't have one of those because God knows what it will bring up. Does anybody have any questions? Oh, dear. Is it that bad? <laughs> yes, then. What would happen if somebody wanted to wear white all the time? Some people do, and there's actually a really good reason for it, and it's really quite positive. Um, when we wear colours, they have an effect on us. White, as we all know, is all seven colours of the spectrum mixed. Because if you think about crystals, when you pass light through a crystal, a clear crystal, it breaks into the seven colours of the rainbow, doesn't it? If you pass those back through a second crystal, they reform white light. So white contains all of the colours. So somebody who's always wearing white is probably going to be fairly balanced okay they're often also people who are quite a long way along their spiritual path um, unless maybe they're in a country where white is very practical because it reflects sunlight and so you're not so hot yeah but there is a really good reason for wearing white and a not so good reason for wearing black in the same way that black absorbs heat, it also absorbs negativity. So, if you wear black, and you wear black all the time, you tend to take on a lot more negativity than you need to. So if you live with somebody who's terminally ill, for example, and you're feeling very drained, wearing black isn't going to help you at all. It's going to make your situation feel worse. Because obviously they're very ill, there's a lot of... Negativity sounds unpleasant when somebody's terminally ill because we're not suggesting they've chosen it. But you can see what I'm saying. There's a lot of energy which isn't uplifting and, and, and joyous energy, isn't there? And that's what you're going to be taking on board. Often people wear um, black and they go out and like all of us if you wear a cardigan or a jumper that's black and you wear it for an hour you don't put it in the washing machine and wash it you probably put it on the chair or in the wardrobe or the drawer and then you put it on for another hour another day I'm not suggesting you don't wash your clothes but <laughs> we don't wash everything we've had on for half an hour do we so let's say I put on black trousers and top and I go to the pub and half the people in the pub are there having a drink because they're thoroughly fed up and feeling low and 
you know, they've got lots of worries and problems and they're trying to drown their sorrows. I absorb that energy from their energy field into my black clothes and if I go home and I put them in the wardrobe, I get them out the next time and put them on and all that energy is still stuck in those clothes. So wearing white is the total reverse of that. It reflects as much as possible. Now there is a bit of an issue here because doctors used to wear white coats. And now, because they want to be patient-friendly, they don't. So they wear their grey suits and things. I wonder, in 10 or 15 or 20 years' time, how many of those doctors will be suffering far more than the doctors who used to wear white coats. Because if white is reflecting a lot of the stuff around them in the hospitals, then it's actually good for them. And it's an issue for healers, because we're not allowed to wear white coats, but the sort of stuff that we normally get is the stuff that the medical profession has given up on. So we often get all the things like multiple sclerosis, um, cancers, ME, don't we? All the really heavy illnesses are what healers get drawn to them. But as healers, most healers' code of conduct says you mustn't wear a white coat because you mustn't try and pass yourself off as a doctor. But black is a really not a good colour to wear in the healing room. I worry when I see so many school children in black seems to be that colour. Yeah. I hate it when I pass and I see Yeah. Because years ago school uniforms used to be bottle green and burgundy and navy didn't they and now black is seems to be the thing that most of them wear but if you're working in a healing environment if you've got to wear a dark color I normally would wear navy rather than black and if I can wear a white top I will and, and if I can't for some reason I usually wear white underneath so I will wear boring white underwear or a white t-shirt or something so that at least I'm trying to reflect as much as I can back from my physical body. In the old books teaching about healing, and this is slightly off the subject but it's, it's relevant, people who worked with people in the final stages of cancer would wear white coats as healers and they would wash the white coat after every session with that person. And the other thing they would do is they would have salt baths because salt absorbs negativity and so any energy that had transferred from the ill person's energy field into their energy field was neutralised by the salt bath and the clothes were washed so it was all got rid of and that way they could do the healing. But of course we're not allowed to do that now. So it might be worth thinking about if you're a healer that works a lot of the time with people who are terminally ill and you're aware of their energy and the fact that you feel um, I mean you shouldn't feel drained if you're doing spiritual healing as opposed to magnetic healing or something but you might find that if you're working with somebody who's very seriously ill and you're seeing them every day or every other day that you are actually disturbing your energy field and you should be aware of that but it's not something that a lot of healing courses teach it's only going back through the old teachings that you find out these things the trouble what's happened is a lot of the modern books have become like magazines or coffee table books and the real nitty-gritty that we as spiritual people need has been lost and 
So if you come across old books, don't assume that they're not good. They often are better than a lot of the new books. Okay, does anybody want to raise anything else? But isn't it interesting that all the religious orders have sort of gone to black? Because they weren't originally, were they? But is it because they've become... Alright, I'm being told. Is it because they've become entrenched in this life rather than what they started out with? Okay, I don't know. Okay, sorry, somebody over there. No, Lynn, could you tell me, um, do you know anything uh, that works, with, you know, a colour that's really successful working with children with ADD and things like that? Well, it's interesting. I wouldn't say there's necessarily one colour. But what you often find with children is that children intuitively know which colour they need. There's a really good, um, somebody was telling me about a really excellent case with a little girl. And this little girl, I can't think who died, but it was somebody very close to her in the family. And she wouldn't talk, she wouldn't say a word about it, she wouldn't mention it, she wouldn't cry, she wouldn't do anything. And this lady was doing some colour work with children and she took in, like I've got, all these silks and this little girl grabbed this silk scarf and just stood like this and she wouldn't let go of it and other children sort of tried to pull it saying you know I want that colour and she was like no I'm having it and a bit later on she just sat in the corner and cried and she just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and they said it was such a relief in the school to see her cry because this had been going on for like a month or so where she wouldn't speak, she wouldn't do anything, but she'd chosen the colour that she needed. And I think that's the really interesting one, is that if you can put out all the colours for children, they will often choose what they need without even realising it. So, um, what about it? Most of the colours... The lighter the shade of colour, you seem to be working through from the physical to the emotional to the mental to the spiritual. So if you start with a royal sort of blue, because everybody can visualise that, that might be your physical. And then you get a bit lighter and it's like emotional, and a bit lighter and it's about mental, and a bit lighter and it's spiritual. So somebody choosing baby blue is obviously quite spiritual or quite tuned in. And a lot of children with what people used to call disabilities, yeah, um, will often choose quite spiritual colours. They'll go for the golds and, you know, the shiny golds and the, and the violets and the lilacs and the, the deep blues and the indigos and the electric blues, all those that most people would consider to be higher chakra colours. But they're not functioning that well in the physical, are they? So they're going to be functioning better in the spiritual part of them. Because the bottom three chakras, the red, orange, yellow, are very much your physical. The throat, the third eye and the crown are your spiritual. And your heart is the bridge between. Once you can open the heart chakra, then you can work with the top chakras and the bottom three are not that important. You can actually treat people with colour therapy 
with the colour therapy I do through the throat chakra for the lower chakras. You don't necessarily have to work on those chakras that much. And what you're always trying to do is to bring people up into the higher chakras. Now these children that we often see as having a disability are already in the higher chakras. And if you think about the fact that I know with autistic children they're often able to be very creative. Creativity is another known access to spiritual intuition, isn't it? It's believed that most great poets and people of all poets, artists, paint, you know, singers, etc., have all got this strong spiritual link. You listen even to people who write what we would call pop songs, and the real amazing time-standing pop songs, the people often say, I wrote it in three minutes in the middle of the night. I didn't write it at all. I just woke up and it was there. I wrote it down. That's all I did was I wrote the words down. So it's a link, isn't it? So children will often do that. But sometimes they're so out of body, if you like, that we need to try and bring them back a little bit so they can actually function in the real world because they do need to eat and sleep and, and so on, don't they? I have done some work with a girl with ADD but she was about 15 and I felt it was too late because she was in denial. She, didn't, she wouldn't accept. So if you work with younger children it might be quite interesting to, to see how, how they work now. I mean... It was really, it was really teenagers. Yeah. If they're open to it, it'll be fine. But you know, with all things with teenagers, some of them are prepared to listen and some aren't. Some have made up their mind, they know it all, they've got the right answers and they're fine. And the girl I worked with happened to be going through that sort of stage in her life where she wasn't prepared to accept. She just wanted to do what she wanted to do. But it may well be quite a bonus to have a go. Yeah, I'd try. Okay, I thought you'd be only a day or so ago, and you wear black, but I thought, oh, I should go out and cut a dash on Saturday night in my black outfit. Oh, I've got, I'm sorry. I've got, I've got some um, dashes of striking pink. Might that save it? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> right, look. Don't, don't worry about it. Are you used to doing protection? Yeah. Well, just ask to be surrounded by this bubble of white light that doesn't allow any negativity through. Mm. It's just that most of us don't do that in our everyday life, do we? Mm. We don't think about it. We just go out there in our dark, more colours and come back feeling drained and worn out. So, yeah, I mean, please don't go out and throw the new outfit away and don't feel bad in it. Just be aware of what it will do and then just do some protection stuff. Yeah? Okay. Did anybody else want to ask me anything? I always remember, actually, I had a um, friend um, who I took shopping one day and she was after a new jumper. She was a young girl, much younger than I. Um, I saw this lovely, pretty pink, um, what do you call that, soft wool. And I said, this would look lovely on you. She said, oh no, I have to have grey. And I said, why? And she said, nobody can see me. 
Absolutely. So there's all sorts of issues going on there, isn't there? Let's try an experiment. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just trying to get these so people can see more than one set of colours because there's loads of different colours here. If I put something on this table that you're really, really drawn to, do you want to come and see what happens if you hold it for a while? Unless you're the smoker and you're drawn to the orange, in which case I'm not giving it to you. Because <laughs> I'm not being responsible if you're poorly. No, you wear it. Please do wear it. Please do wear it. I feel slimmer in my black <laughs> But Navy would do the same. Okay. Right. This is where I can this is where we'll cause chaos in the room. That's fine. Okay? Right, so they're all higher chakra colours, aren't they? Are you grounded? Not always. Right. So that's something that you need to be aware of. Do you carry something that would ground you? Usually I've got a dance Right. Okay, then it's not a problem. But it is a problem if you are sort of struggling to, to get through life and you're always drawn to those colours and you wear those colours and everything else. So just be aware. Right. Okay. Sit with it for a while and just see if it has an effect on you. Alright, because they were all cleansed before I brought them. So they won't have somebody else's energy on them. Alright? So just sit with it for a bit and see how you feel. That's fine. You can take more than one. Yeah? Just sit with them for a bit and see what happens. And we'll go round and we'll see. We'll see if we can get some information for people about the things they've chosen. If you want to, I'm not going to single you out and say that means. But if you've picked a specific colour and you want a bit of feedback, I'll do... I'll do something. Oh, you don't want to. Okay. What you have to realise is that green is going to work in the heart centre, isn't it? I want to come home. I want to climb. Right. So what are you doing? You're wearing this green. You're probably opening this centre more than you need to. So can you wear the other colour, the, the opposite of that, to balance it? So, okay, look, somebody here is saying they have to wear green for work and they're always exhausted when they've finished work. By lunchtime they need to sleep, okay? And they're in a situation where they're working with lots of people who are ill. So... They're obviously, the green is going to affect the heart centre, isn't it? Now, if, if they're giving out all their own love and attention, they are going to, their energy, they are going to start to feel ill. So they need to balance the green. Now, clearly, we said earlier, how do you find the other colour? So we've got the green, which is blue and yellow. So the colour that's missing is red. 
okay? Now you obviously can't wear a red cardi or something because that's not allowed. The secret to this is buy underwear or socks, all right? Have tasteless socks. I've got all sorts of tasteless socks that balance my colours. So have some socks or some knickers or a vest or a bra or something that is the colour that you need to balance, the colour that you've got too much of. So if you're already a really giving, caring person and you're wearing lots of green, then you're going to make that worse probably. Alright? Now, anybody else want... Go on. A little while ago I had a very heavy thing on my head and it's quite around my ears. Holding those? Holding these now, it's gone from my head through to my hands. <laughs> my hands were absolutely alive <clears throat> That's interesting, isn't it? So it was heavy feeling in your head. It's really quite heavy. I said, I'm going to wait here, and then there's a lot of buzzing all around my head. Now, my hands are just alive. Okay, but these are also healing colours, aren't they? They're, they're also the spiritual and the healing colours. So are you a person who, whenever you're in a room like this, knows when somebody in the room needs healing? <laughs> Usually. Right. So have you been holding that back? Like, not allowing that healing to flow. Because what may be happening, and it is a maybe, because obviously we're not working on a one-to-one -one and everybody's energy is intermingled, but what may be happening is that you're actually channeling that energy out. It's, it's making you aware. Do you get this feeling often? Yeah, I do much more lately. Right. So what's happening is they're making you aware that you need to send that energy out. I never understood and nobody could explain it to me. When I started doing my healing, I used to get a lot of pain in my heart chakra. And I'd think, you know, not everybody can be going to have a heart attack. <laughs> not everybody can have a heart problem. And of course, you can't say anything as a healer about what you're picking up because it's not allowed. But I used to finish every healing session with this pain in my chest. And I couldn't work it out. And it was just because people were often blocking the healing. They were saying they wanted healing or, or it was a healing group where we're all practicing on each other and they didn't really want healing but they had to sit there and it was all building up inside me and it wouldn't come out. And now when I feel the pain in my chest I stop the healing and I explain to the person what's happening and I don't carry on unless they understand that they're either going to accept it or we're going to stop the session. Yeah? yeah, but it's probably just a learning curve for you. It's yeah, like a way of making you aware. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's obviously somebody that's working with you, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's coming straight through. Yeah. It's not like you've got heaviness in your hands. It's oh, energy yeah. coming through your hands. Right, so when you get this feeling, you need to tune in and ask what it is they want you to do. Where do they want you to direct it? I would have thought so. Where do they want you to send it? What have you got to do with it? Alright? Okay, what about anybody else? Has anybody else had any sensation since they've been holding this colour? I mean, I love yellow. Right. And I actually do... When I was slimmer... <laughs> Don't worry about it. I wore, yep. I wore a lot of yellow, a yellow blouse, yellow skirt, everything, and I was, I really, I love it, and I feel happy, and I do feel happy. With it. I know I've got black on. No, that's I fine. Do love, I do love. I feel very uplifted with with this. So what does that tell you? 
that you need that. That's the colour you chose. So it's obviously the colour you need because you choose intuitively, yeah. don't you? Yeah. I went into a bank once and somebody said to me, oh, you remind me of lovely daffodils coming in. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe you need to have that colour around you more to help uplift you. Yeah. Even if you're not wearing it, you could have it in, around you, yeah. Okay. What about anybody else? Anybody else had any strange sensations? Mm. Yeah. When you put all the, the colours out, there was one that sat and looked at me, just sat there, and I didn't want any of the others. That one. Now that isn't actually the one. But no. Fairly mm. meaningful. Right. Somebody else took it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was sitting there looking at me. Okay. You know, Somebody else went. And was but it a violet? Not dissimilar to that. The soft or was it a, a pink one? Can you see it? Uh, no. No, that was ours. <laughs> okay. That's the colour. Oh, the one that the little girl at the back took. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That colour and the one you've got there are different strengths, yes. different tones, if you like, of the colour that is between the crown chakra and the eighth chakra. Because the eighth chakra yep. is usually showing up as that really bright yep. okay. magenta -y colour. Right. All right. And so you're sort of. You're obviously drawing up there. You're getting up. That's that's what you're drawing towards, isn't it? Okay. We definitely. Yes, other people will have wanted that one. Yes. No, no. Yeah. It's interesting. I keep trying to get some more of that colour and I can't. But everybody seems to want that one. And it's because most of the people that I talk to and work with are on a spiritual path. So we're trying to access the higher bits of ourselves. So we're drawn to the one that's going to take us up there. There was in fashion, that colour was one of the, the colours of the season. Because I know I had a suit, I had a dress. I, I made an evening dress in that colour as well. It's interesting that every summer out comes the bright, Cerise pink and the turquoise mm. and then every winter away it goes and out comes the grey and the brown and the black and the, the dingy colours and it's really sad mm. it's almost like we lose the light in this country in the winter because we have these short days and everything and we forget that colour exists but we can still wear colour in the winter it would cheer us all up Everybody wears these colours. But that's the other thing that's strange about colour. You saying about death, isn't it? If you look at our perception of colour, lots of people see black as the colour of death. But in most Eastern countries, white is the colour of death. Does anybody remember in MASH when they gave the young girl the white wedding dress and she said she got really upset? Can you remember MASH? There was some Vietnamese girl or something and they gave her a white wedding. She was going to get married and they, they rummaged around and they made up this white dress for her and she was really, really upset because she thought that they wanted her to die. You see, so different colours mean different things in different countries, which is, again, to do with light, isn't it? The light is there. 
But I think, really, the other side of this is, I got you to choose something you liked. Is there a colour? What time do you want me to finish? Alright. Is there a colour here that anybody really doesn't like? Or a colour out there that anybody really doesn't like? I don't like wishy-washy colours. I like a colour. Right. Because if there's somebody who's sitting there saying, I hate red, or I hate green, or I really can't stand blue, it's usually the colour you need. <laughs> That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> All right. This one. Yeah. yeah. No, that is a. It is a strange colour, but it's in there because it just demonstrates to people that yellows don't always. You know, it is a limey yellow. Green doesn't always have to be a nice green. It's quite acidic, isn't it? The other thing about colour is that you have to be aware that nature teaches you a huge amount about colour. Think about, I mean, you're saying you don't like this colour. Let's be really awful here. Think of the colour of bile. <laughs> yes? Okay? Sorry, everybody. Um, just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, those colours are colours which are showing you that you're ill. Think of the colour of mould. We don't eat mould, do we? Because it, apart from mouldy cheese, some people eat. But, but generally speaking, we wouldn't eat all those sort of mouldy colours. The other thing is that lots of people see these colours as symbols of death and decay, because they're autumn. And autumn is a time of death. So some people really don't like these colours, because they see them as being that time of year when everything is dying. Now... If these colours relate to the sacral chakra, and the sacral chakra is emotional and sexual and... Okay, are there issues going on for people who don't like these colours? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Women over 60. <laughs> I'm not... I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes we have to be aware of all of these things when we're choosing our colours and our crystals. Hmm. <laughs> We're not going to get away from it. It's a beautiful colour. It's a beautiful colour and you're going to be fine. Please don't go home and worry about this. This colour is again on... It's two things. That version is nearer the heart chakra. Because everybody says green is the heart chakra. But what you also have to remember is that green is the colour of balance, whereas pink is the colour of unconditional love. And the heart chakra, when it's completely open, for a lot of people will actually be pink because of the fact that it is about unconditional love. So anybody who was drawn to sort of pinks and pale pinks and things, really pale pinks are very much about true love. Not, you know, I love you because you've got a smart car or I love you because you're rich, but I love you regardless of anything and everything. That sort of real giving love which is why rose quartz is a heart stone. It's the stone of unconditional love. So, pinks, yeah. But the pink that we've got down here, which isn't that dissimilar, is also the higher chakra. So what we've got here is a bit of a dilemma because when you fully open the heart chakra, you access the top chakra, don't you? You're going to access the eighth chakra once you're fully aware 
and open and such like. So there is a link here. It's like the colours which are somewhere between blue and purple, like the indigos, and somewhere between like purple and that colour, the sort of pinky purpley colours. They're all about these higher centres and they're all about opening those higher centres and it's amazing that most people picked pinky, lilac-y, bluey, greeny sorts of colours. Very few people went for the sort of real low... Um, very few people went for the drab colours that I had here and yet if you were to show some people these are the colours they would pick. So it's the fact that you've mainly chosen quite clear colours is another sign of your spiritual evolving, you know, your state of development, if you like, isn't it? You if we said just now that if, if you didn't like a colour, it's the one that you, you might need. Now, I'm not keen on that red. Right. So what does that say? <laughs> I have a, okay. a sacral. Okay, no, because the, the red is really your base, isn't it? But do you have energy problems, yes. low energy? Yeah. Right. And red is about energy. So, I mean, it's about other things as well, but that was the thing that jumped out at me with you. Okay, was that it's probably about low energy. And so the fact that you don't like it, it's almost like you're being reminded of what you, have, what you need, what you, what you need. And we don't want to know what we need. We want to think we're complete. Yes? <laughs> My poor little silk scarf is very hurt. <laughs> no, this is actually a mixture of lemon and green, isn't it? So we're in this area between the solar plexus and the heart. It's also very pale, so it's on a much more spiritual level. So would that make any sense to you? No. Okay. Um, the other one is that a lot of people don't use this sort of colour very much, but this colour is, for me, is like the thymus. I know some people say that the turquoise is the throat, but I tend to put the turquoise colours at this level rather than here. The other thing I've found with this, and this is a bit off the wall, but the other thing I've found with this sort of turquoise is that people who are really attracted to this sort of turquoise seem to have some sort of connection with Atlantis. I've found that, oh, I'm getting my shivers. Um, it's definitely something that I've observed over a period, uh, quite a long period of time, that when people pick this and I say to them, oh, that's interesting, um, you know, and we're chatting away, and then I say to them, you know, so what are your thoughts about spiritual things and that? And they say, oh, I'm really interested in Atlantis. And it nearly always comes out that there's, or I think I lived in Atlantis, or I think there's something special about it, or, or whatever. And it seems to be this colour that does it. And I don't know why. It does seem to be. But what we have to remember is that none of this is new. Mm. All of this was used in Atlantis. It was used in Egypt as well. Colour, crystals were all part of it. And just one brief thing about this. A lot of you, if you haven't already dedicated your crystals at home, can I ask you to do it? 
what you do is you ask that the crystals can only ever be used in love and light for positive things because it's your way of making it known to the crystal divas that you are only going to work in the best and the highest ways all right because there are theories and again I can't prove this but there are theories that after the misuse of crystals in some of the ancient cultures that a lot of the divas withdrew from working with humans because they'd abused the stuff that was, was available to them and so when you own crystals if you dedicate them to the fact that they can only ever be used with love and light and the highest and the best intentions then you are affirming to the divas of the crystals that you are only going to work in a good way with them and they're much more likely to work with you and you're much more likely to be in tune with the crystals and learn from them as well as all the normal cleansing and stuff but it is really quite important and the other thing that you can do with your crystals is you tell them what you want them to do for you if you had a servant and you didn't tell them what to do they wouldn't have a clue whether you wanted them to make the beds or hoover up or cook the dinner or go shopping or look after the kids they wouldn't know what to do so with the crystals if you tell them that this crystal you are going to be my meditation crystal and I would really like you to help me with my meditations then the crystal knows what it is that you want from it and as you work with it over a period of time you will get better and better input from it if you say to it I want you to be a healing crystal and, and help with the healing sessions that I do then it knows what it's doing if you one day want it to do healing and another day want it to do meditation and another day you want to do something else and another, it's confused and it never builds up a real strength that you can work with so it's it's like you or I you know if we do the same job for a long time we get really good at it we might not like it but we get really good at it now the crystals are, are quite happy to serve if they're being used correctly and the good thing about dedicating a crystal is that when you give it away wherever it ends up it can only ever be used for good because once it's been dedicated it can never be undedicated so you're helping to raise the vibration of the planet because nobody can ever turn it around and use it in a bad way okay and I, I should have said that earlier and I didn't any more questions because we seem to have I feel like I've not done exactly what I planned to do but it's gone where it was obviously meant to unless you've got um, blue and green on your card and um, the green is the colour that remains all the year round isn't it where the, where the seasons the colour of nature as well as the colour of balance mm. and whereas all the other colours come and go green is there the whole time and it's a sort of colour of synthesis isn't it Mm. and blue is the other colour that remains the year round because it's in the sky yep. and I wonder if they're sort of colours of permanency colours that will never go, is that why you chose them? I actually chose it because it's a wave and I love water I do love natural colours but I also chose it because they're healing colours Oh I see this is a wave splashing over Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It isn't obvious, I but it, it is a wave. Scenery, no, yeah. it's actually yeah. meant to be a wave. Yeah. And but once you write across it, it's not so obvious. But to me, water is about emotion, and I always work with people 
that have got emotional stuff going on. I never get the broken leg to work with, you know, that would be nice. That would be a real pleasure. All the rest is a pleasure, but that would just be something that you'd see that this is the result. And to me, the, the waves of the ocean signify how emotion affects us. It pulls us back and forth. It tosses us around. It doesn't allow us to, to be still. And so to me, the waves were really significant and that was actually the reason behind choosing those cards, which I went to get some more of and couldn't. They don't have them anymore or something, so I have to think it again. But that was my actual feeling about it and why I feel that emotional healing is so important for people. Okay. Do you, yeah, yeah, I'm quite happy to, to stop. Can we just all show our appreciation for this?